devil a tag team We keep a black and blue theme My guy be Shawn Michaels too with Mario Gennetti Two me the secrets like Hetty But keeps me in the mix like spaghetti Speed through life, Mario and Dreddy Fast but steady, I walk the danger zone Folks want to dead me I knew it wasn't my hood But it was no other way to get home I did want you to be a tag team Hey, what's up everybody? We... Unfortunately, they're doing one of these shows in the middle of the week that are, that's random. And um, I'm sure you guys have heard the news by now. Legend, WWE Hall of Famer, rest, Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer. The Iron Sheik has passed away at age 81. And what a life and what a career this man had. And um, this dude turned... This guy turned one of the most... Uh, heelish gimmicks, one of the biggest heels ever in the industry, and he became one of the most beloved just by how much shit he was talking and how he used Twitter and how he, he just the, st- the stories of Sheik are are endless and fantastic. There's one there's one specific interview where um, I think it's with Kevin Nash and Sean Oliver. It's one of the shoot you shoots, not you shoots, but one of his shoot interviews. And she and uh, Nash is telling about his first ride, like first time actually riding in a car. And he was driving. It was him, Sid, Iron Sheik, and someone else. And he said that she, uh, Sheik was talking to Sid and was like, "Baba, who is the fucking jabroni in the in the driver's seat? Who's driving us?" And Nash was like, "I'm not a jabroni, Sheik." Oh, of course you want Papa. Of course you want Jabroni. Of course, of course, Papa. Like, just hearing stories like that is fucking hilarious. Because it's like, you don't just, you just don't think that, you know? Like, it's like, I can tell Miro has a personality, but we have social media nowadays. So because him and Lana have been, I think they even killed a story there. They even killed a storyline with um their, their, their wedding announcement. Like they're so open with their life as, as much as they can be, um, that you 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 know he has a personality, right? But you could tell uh, influence was definitely the Sheik. Um, this guy came in in the ni- 1972. He actually ended the era of a WWF championship run, and he began an era of a WWF championship run. Um, this guy has wrestled them all. Bob Backlund's, the Sergeant Slaughter's, the whole Kogan's. Like, he has done a lot. And um, it's unfortunate. Sounds like he was one of the good ones. I actually never was ever at a show that he was at or um, anything like that. I would have definitely gotten an autograph. You guys know how I am with my autographs. Um, but, yeah, it just was uh, sad to hear. I was actually at work, and I was just going through my phone. Cause I was actually writing notes down for my job. I was actually doing work at work about my other other work, um, and I was just and I just still having to glance online and saw it. So I wanted to tell a little history of Iron Sheik for those of you guys who don't know. Like I know not many. I look at my viewership numbers, and I, I get younger and younger viewers who always have questions when we talk about old school stuff. And yes, I have not brought back Match of the Month yet. Um, I actually didn't think I'd be recording this soon. My my original plan, I don't think I've ever revealed this, or I might have, but just to reveal it again, or just to reveal it for the first time, when I made the move, I was moving across country again. And, um, the, and I, my plan was to have the first show be the Flash review, the movie. Um, and when I realized how much freedom I actually had and time I had, um, that, that time is being taken very quickly. Um, but I still have time to record. And I was like, okay, this can 
this can still work. You know what I'm saying? Like today, the the diplomat dropped. Next week will be the Monday show. Then it'll be the recruits. And then after that, it will be Flash, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't expecting to do all this. But, yeah, just I'm thinking July will be the first time we actually have the match of the month back. But I'll let you guys know. I'll see how all that's going. But anyways, um, so... You guys started in 1972. I cannot pronounce his real name, so I'm not even going to try to destroy that. So I just want to stick with just saying Iron Sheik or the Sheik. Um, I'll stick with Iron Sheik. Uh, he got started in 1972 by Vern Gagne, and he was in the same class as Ric Flair. Think about that. Crazy. And if you look at, for those of you guys who don't know who Vern Gagne is, he was the one who were in the AWA for so long. He, he is the one that, if you look at the his, if you look at the if you look at the history of wrestling. Sorry, sip of water there. If you look at the history of wrestling, Vern Gagne will always be one of those people that's underappreciated for the things he did. He is under his watch that Hulkamania actually started. But because he refused to put the belt on Hogan, because he refused to let Hogan work in Japan, because he was constantly taking most of the money, and once again, that's a story for a whole other day. I can get into that another time. But because of a lot of his business practices... Some may say shady. Some may just say he, he was protecting his own personal interests, which you have to do sometimes. I'm not going to knock him either way, you know. Um, Hulkamania started there. And what Vince McMahon did was take it and expand it worldwide. He did the thing that Vern couldn't do. But a lot of people broke in Vern Gagne's AWA. Kurt Henning, Rick Rude, Nick Bockwinkle. Um, like, it's, it's the, 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 list, the list goes on and on. And Vern Gagne is a Hall of Fame wrestler on on, on his own. I'm talking about WWE Hall of Fame, but he is in WWE Hall of Fame, but also a pro wrestling Hall of Fame. But he's, he is the ultimate wrestler promoter. But think about that. Vern Gagne broke this man, too. Crazy. Uh, Iron Sheik joined the WWF in 1979. His first, actually, he actually won the first ever battle royal in Madison Square Garden that's on record. So. That's how WWE recognizes it, so I'll just say they recognize it. So he won it, and that night he earned a WWF championship match against the then-champion Bob Backlund, which he lost after 30 minutes. I believe Bob Backlund pinned him via pinfall. Um, he then left the WWF uh, in 1980 at the beginning, and then he ended up joining Jim Crockett Promotions later in 1980. He didn't stay in, these, in many promotions very long between 1980 and 1983. Because he bounced around. He was at his promotions for maybe under a year. But when he was with uh, JCP, he did win the Mid-Atlantic title from Jim Brunzel. Um, and then in, in 1981, he ended up challenging the American Dream Dusty Rhodes for the World Heavyweight Championship belt. He lost. Uh, but after that, he then ended up going to Mid-South for less than a year. Florida for that yes, less than a year. Georgia in less than a year. And then for less than a year, and then he ended up going back to the WWF in 1983, where Bob Backlund's having this historic WWF championship run, and Iron Sheik comes back, he's challenging him, and they're doing all sorts of gimmicks, like they're doing the the, the, the weight gimmick and all this other stuff, and when Bob Backlund is taking picking up weights, Sheik hits him in the neck and injures his neck. Well, this plays into their championship match, so... Sheik challenged Bob Backlund for the WWF Championship. Bob Backlund said, I accept and I'll defend my title against you. Bob Backlund had a manager at the time named Arnold Scullin. And during their match, Bob Backlund went for a pinfall. It got 
countered by Sheik into the camel clutch. And Bob Backlund was just sitting there, and like his neck was his neck was so messed up under storyline modes. Air quotes, no air quotes. Seems him doing air quotes that uh, he's just in the camel clutch and he's like passed out. And the referee's like saying he's not ta- he's not giving up, but but he's just there. So arms going through in the towel. And I don't know if that was the first time. I, I want to say it's the first time in WWF Championship history that's how a title changed hands. Ironically, that would happen for Bob Backlund to get his second WWF championship run as well with Martha Hart doing in the towel for Bret Hart, which was, uh, which, which was interesting there, which was a love, a little love play to there. But, um, Bob Backlund didn't have much of a run with the title. Um, when I say that, I mean, like he faced a lot. Like, I think, I think he faced a lot of jobbers and, um, no real big names. I think he faced, um, I think he faced Steamboat once. And I think it was at a house show. But for the most part, he was the ultimate transitional champion. Like when he won the title, the title was the reason why Vince McMahon needed to take the championship off of Bob Backlund is because he knew he was going to put the championship on Hulk Hogan. But he didn't want a face to be a face that would have turned Hulk Hogan heel, even though Hulk Hogan was already a fucking heel. We just. Didn't acknowledge it at the time. I wasn't even alive. Listen to me. But, like, we didn't acknowledge it at the time. And even as you get into the 80s and early 90s, we didn't acknowledge Hulk Hogan being a heel until he turned it, until he turned to black and white. You know? But that's a whole other rant another time. I'll spare you guys from that rant. Well, um, then all of a sudden he runs into Hulk Hogan. And then, once, that's what I said, he ended one championship, historic championship run, just to walk into another, and that was Hogan's four-year run that he won when he won it. And that was the longest Hulk Hogan ever had a WWE championship is when he defeated um, Iron Sheik. And Iron Sheik actually had him in a camel clutch. Hogan fought out of it. Uh, Hogan had hit the leg drop, one, two, three. Um, but this wasn't the end of Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik ended up later on winning the WWF Tag Team Championships with Nikolai Volkov after defeating... The U.S. Express, the team of Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. Um, so he actually held gold. Like the only thing, only title he did. If you think about this, the only title he did not hold was the Intercontinental Championship. And he had feuds with Sergeant Slaughter that were blood feuds. You know, he 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 lost a for a, for, him, for him to be a top heel at that time. He lost a lot. You know, but it was at the time it was different. It was it was about. Um, Making people go home happy. People have to see Hogan pose, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just a different time. Like, Hills didn't, Hills didn't get the advantage. For, even, even when Hills won championships, it, it, like, that's why I had to see Honky Tonk Man in the role he was in and have that intercontinental championship for so long. Even when Gunther breaks his record this year, it won't be the same because of how it was different back then. And I'm not saying... Let me make this clear before the tribalism starts. Neither is better, neither is worse. I'm just saying it was special then for a heel to hold a championship that long because of just the rules of the East, what they did. The North just didn't, Vince McMahon just did not have face, like, heels won titles, but they didn't keep them for very long. The Mountie literally won the Intercontinental Championship at a house show 24 hours later just to drop it to Roddy Piper. I understand why Bret Hart had to drop the Intercontinental title, a story for another time. But think about that. Just think about that now. 
Think about how long Roman Reigns as a heel has been the WWE slash Universal Champion. A thousand days. That's unheard of nowadays. I mean, back then. Heels just didn't, they just didn't win very often. When they did, it was very, 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 very transitional periods. Sergeant Slaughter defeated Ultimate Warrior just to drop the title to Hulk Hogan. But yes, I call uh, the Sheik, the Iron Sheik, the ultimate transitional champion because the plan was in place. That And that plan was perfect. That plan was perfection. That plan was the thing that started the wrestling boom. The thing that we enjoy today. The reason you're listening to this podcast, the reason I'm doing this podcast, the reason I've been all over this country, all over this world, and been able to enjoy professional wrestling. Without having a heel like that was as hated as the Sheik, Hulkamania was still worked, of course, but wasn't been the same. To defeat the Iron Sheik after what he did to Bob Backlund, after him destroying another American icon, to have another American icon stand tall, it was just different. You know, hit di- even when you watch that shit like now, it just hit different. You know, so um, also I wanted to bring this up too because this is a lot of what ifs here. There was a feud he was in with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. They were on television feuding. They also rode together. And they used to do cocaine and weed together and stuff like that. Not a big surprise. No judgment here. Who gives a fuck? Well, they got, this is a famous story. Because they got pulled over. And I think it's on YouTube now. The, the Hacksaw Jim Duggan um, you shoot with uh, Sean Oliver. Check it out. I don't. I know I, ha- I know I have it on DVD somewhere. Um, but... I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what was said in it, so please do not quote me. But check it out; it's on YouTube. I know it's on YouTube. Um, Jim, they had big plans for Jim Duggan. WWF did, and he had just won the first ever Royal Rumble. You know, with, before there was anything on the line, before there was a title match or anything, he had just won it. They had big plans for him. And if you look at this, think about how crazy this is. Hacksaw is one of the few wrestlers from the '80s who was over as shit that never won a title in WWF. And I get it. He didn't need a championship. No, air quotes again. Fuck all the way off. Neither did Ryan Piper, and he had championships. You know. But my point in saying this is, there's clearly plans at some point. Because if you if you always listen to all these stories, even the caveat they give you afterwards with, um, well, he didn't need a championship is, well, he was already planning to win a championship, and this happened. So don't tell me he didn't need it when you were planning to have the championship around his fucker's waist. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't, don't give me this shit. Fuck out of here. Um, they had big plans for him. I don't remember. I, it wasn't a WWF title run, but, he, but I think Jim Duggan might have said there were talks of it at least. Well, anyways, they get pulled over, get popped. It becomes news. Uh, Jim Duggan ends up getting a probationary period from WWF. Uh, a con- unconditional, uh, no, excuse me, a conditional release from WWF, but like they were b- planning on bringing him back as air quotes punishment, and then Sheik left soon afterwards. But there was a lot of what else there. Sheik was already done being a top guy in that company at the time, but it was a lot of what else on the hacksaw Jim Duggan part. His career at WWF was never the same. He did in the, when I think he won the TV title uh, in WCW, and I think he defeated Steve Austin for that title when Steve Austin was hurt, and I think he beat Steve Austin like. 30 seconds um but that was just an interesting story there because it's like um the, the what ifs on the jim duggan side you know but yeah that, that that sums up a lot of his career his big moments but like 
I, I don't see... I, I ne- I've never seen a transitional champion as being a disrespectful thing. Let's look back just two years ago. They wanted to take the championship off of Drew McIntyre. They pointed themselves in a corner by giving the Money in Bank ladder match winner to Otis. So... Uh, we know that there was another rumor where Otis was supposed to beat Baron Corbin for the world title, but then Roman Reigns went home because of COVID, et cetera, et cetera. There's always that what if universe. But they had Miz defeat Otis for the Money in the Bank briefcase. Then they made Miz a transitional champion because then they had Bobby Lashley, who they were lighting up. He was, that's the most push he's ever gotten in WWE. That's saying a lot. They had Bobby Lashley lay out Drew McIntyre so Miz could cash in just so the very next day Bobby Lashley could get his moment. And think about this. Bobby Lashley was a heel, and so was the Miz. But Miz had the briefcase. So they had to do what they had to do. So Miz was a transition. There's nothing wrong with being a transitional champion. So do not so do not take that as disrespect. It's actually a huge compliment that he was entrusted with that position. And he's always claimed, and, and Nick, and uh, excuse me, Vern Gagne's son, Greg, has always denied this. But Sheik stuck to his guns that Vern offered him a lot of money, $100,000, to break Hogan's back. Because remember, Hogan had just left the AWA. So they, 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 he, he's always, he has stood his guns. And Greg has said this, but Greg's also been protective of his dad's legacy, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know how much I believe Greg, but once again, it's, it's a story. The Sheik always, Iron Sheik always stood firm. I was offered this much money, but I, I had too much respect for Vince McMahon. He made, he helped me make a lot of money, you know. And if you think about Sheik, I don't think Sheik's ever been on one of these to uh, go fundry uh, campaigns or lawsuits. I think he was always one of the people that actually saved his money pretty well and made good money. But um, that's why I say he was the ultimate transitional champion. That is a lot of responsibility. To be the one to have, you have the golden goose in the ring. You can hurt, one bad move from you can end that whole thing. Without Iron Sheik being who he is, we don't get Hulkamania. So that's why I say the ultimate transitional champion. So anyways, um, I just want to take some time solo to talk about it. Uh, One of my favorite characters. I'm not sitting here saying he had five-star classics. That's what you're looking for. Oh, got the hiccups. Jesus. Excuse me. If that's what you're looking for, not going to happen. But this guy, but he is a huge part of wrestling history. One more sip of water. And I'm happy to know it. And now you know it. So that is a special episode of I See Things a Little Differently. So you got two episodes for one today. Um, but I just didn't want to wait until next Monday to talk about it and honor this this legend of the Squared Circle. So I'm Slow Chemical, and we are out.